Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can be seated. I'm not going to be long this morning. Um, I know I... You mind staying right there with me, Ellie Mike? I'll make Stanton pay you real good. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 10. I want to read a couple of verses of Scripture and really just get to one point. I've had this in my heart to preach here for, I don't know, really about a month or longer. I've preached it here two or three times. Just so I have one message, really. It's just real long. It just takes time to get it in there. Father, we love you today. So thankful for your presence in this place. Jesus mighty name Lord help me articulate and communicate to the people today what's on your heart Jesus mighty name amen I just know that we're on it man because Catherine's already mad it's the whole service the way it flowed how many knows the most important person in the earth is the Holy Spirit and God wants us to have a real living relationship with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is not a it. He's not goosebumps. He's not tongues. He's not prophecy. He's the person of Jesus on the earth. You believe that? And we can have a real relationship with Him. And so this morning, you there in 1 Samuel chapter 10, to me, I've always used this verse. I've always just been drawn to this verse of Scripture. This is where uh, Samuel the prophet anoints Saul and there's many things that could be said. How do we know that when, when, the, when the Holy Spirit is in someone's life, how do we know, is it, that they prophesy, that they speak in tongues? Let me tell you this. This, I believe, is the best thing that we can tell when the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life. You're there in 1 Samuel 10. It says, Then Samuel took a flask of oil, and he poured it on his head, and he kissed him. And says, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed, when you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worried about you. Saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the Tabith tree of Tabar. And there are three men going in, going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread which you shall receive from their hands. 
after that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is and it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place <clears throat> a flute a heart before them and they will be prophesying look at verse 6 then the spirit of the Lord God will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man let me tell you, that's what I 100% believe. The 100% proof that we know God is at work is in somebody's life, God will turn you into another man. Some of us are never going to get to our destiny until we allow God to turn us into another man. Abram was not. Abram was Abraham. You're going to have to go from Abram to Abraham. You're going to have to go from Jacob to Israel. And so the Spirit of God at work in our lives, how many knows that He is the power in this room to let it go? He is the power to deliver us, heal us, all of that. And so He shall be turned into another man. One thing that I wanted you to know about this is first of all, what Saul is coming to is he's coming to a place where there is a corporate anointing being released. Do you know that when you and I get together in this place corporately and we begin to worship God, there is a corporate anointing released in this environment, right? Y'all you you, with me for 30 minutes. I said, I'm going to preach fast. So there's a corporate anointing in this, in this environment. And so when you come in this environment with whatever you need, if you came in heavy this morning, I promise you that heaviness begin to lift off of you this morning when all of us begin to exalt the name of the Lord. Would we agree with that in this room? And so Saul is just, I mean, he's got all these issues in his life. And Samuel says, when you meet this group of people, when you meet this group of people, they're going to prophesy. And what's on their life is going to come upon your life. And the, and the Spirit of God's going to come upon you and turn you into another man. So what Samuel was doing is he was setting him up to how he was going to be able to fulfill his destiny. You and I will never reach our full potential without developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, friend. He's the power of God to get us to where we're trying to get to. Now listen to this. I'm going to skip to get some of this. One thing that I've noticed, especially over the past few years, at least where I'm privileged to live, is it seemed like our churches that we're shifting from this to where most churches wouldn't have stopped this morning and gone to 11.15 to do worship. I remember one time, Catherine, I was in a meeting and they said you should be able to do worship within 30 minutes. And on the way back home, Catherine looked at me and she said that is not in my heart to do 30 minutes of worship. Come on, somebody. Listen, when we worship God, this is what all of us have a room, all of us have the privilege in this room. And what we're doing is we're anointing the head. We're telling him how much he's worth. Come on, somebody. Has God done something for you in this room? If he's never, if he's never blessed you financially, if he's never healed your body, friend, he saved you from a place called hell. Come on, somebody. He died for us. He forgave us of our sins and the trespasses that was against us. That is enough that we should worship him. Not only 40 minutes, but seven days a week 24 hours a day and she said that's never been our heart one of the things we were talking about is church growth if you really want to grow a church 
people just can't handle. People just can't handle 45 minutes or an hour's worth of worship. It's what we were told. But friend, let me tell you something. I've been on the foreign soil where they walk for days to get to the meeting. And they're not worried, they're not worried about 110 degree weather to worship God. Come on. What happens is we got to break the laziness off the church in America. Come on now. We got to break the comfortability off the church in America. And we got to get back to the place that God called us. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you this when you're in love. Listen, if you're in love, you don't mind staying up half the night on the telephone. When you're in love, you're not looking at your watch, worried about if we worship 45 minutes or an hour and a half. Listen, when you're in love, it don't matter, friend. And I remember looking at Catherine. And I said, if that's church growth, I don't want church growth. I just want him, friend. And what I truly believe that people are hungry for is an encounter with the living God. They're tired of hearing Bible stories, friend. Come on, somebody. They're tired of reading tracts. People need an encounter with the real living God. If you got cancer in your body, you need more than a tract, friend. You need an encounter with the living Christ, the anointed one that is able to heal your body, able to deliver you from that. So we've always... We were just had some people in our house last night and we were talking about the early days. And we've always stood by this. That where Zechariah, you remember in the fourth chapter, he said, it's not by might nor by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit of God can do more in this room in five minutes than what you and I could try to do in 20 years in the works of the flesh. And with all of our degrees or no degrees, he can do more in five minutes, accomplish more in five minutes than we could spend in a decade in this place trying to accomplish. He is the one we need, friend. And one thing that I know that God, I know that the Holy Ghost loves is He loves freedom. He loves to leave and go out to the night of the one if He wants to do. He loves to call out a, a, a facial condition if He wants to call it out. He just needs a place to move. So it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. Now listen to this. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11. God is looking for a man to raise up to bring deliverance to his people to overcome the Midianites and there he finds a man named Gideon and the scripture says that he's hiding in a wine press threshing wheat a wine press is not where you thresh wheat a wine press is where you crush grapes to make wine most of the church where God's wanting to move in the spirit, we're trying to give teaching stories. I'm not, I'm not devaluing the teaching gift or the value of the Word of God, but I am elevating the value of the Spirit of God at work in the church. Friend, they didn't have a New Testament Bible running around. They didn't have a Bible running around. What they had was a living God on the inside of them speaking to him. Paul didn't have Neil Anderson's book breaking the bondage breaker with him in Acts chapter 16 when a girl was standing behind them saying the right thing. She said, these men are from the Most High God. These men are from the Most High God. Paul got tired of it, turned around and said, you spirit of divination, come out of her. Who told him that? The Holy Ghost on the inside of him. 
And what we've got to learn is Emmanuel is God. I mean, God the Father, Jehovah is God for us. Emmanuel is God with us. But the Holy Ghost is God in us. The Holy Spirit. So Gideon's threshing wheat in a, in a wine press. My God, the church has got to get back to the wine of his presence and allow God to move in our midst again. Come on, church. Is that what we're after here at Cornerstone? Are we at the Bible stories? Are we at the, the living presence of Almighty God to be at work in our midst? Come on, somebody. So, goes on. You know the story. God tells him, he calls him a mighty man of valor. Actually, he's scared to death. Ain't you glad that God sees more in you than you see in yourself? Come on now. Ain't you glad the way that God looks at you? He doesn't look at your failures. He doesn't look at what you don't have. He sees what he has on the inside of you, friend. And he's constantly calling you up to that level. Come on now. And so he calls him a mighty man of valor. And the scripture says... That he's going to go out and take care of the Midianites. You know the story. He reduces his army down to 300. But I think it's around verse 34. It says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. And this verse of Scripture in the Old Testament, it literally means when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, it means to put him on like a glove or to step into. God has given us the picture of the power of the New Testament believer that was going to be available to the New Testament believer, friend. When God would step inside of us, do you realize that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells inside of you? And if it dwells in you, it shall quicken our mortal body. Why am I not afraid to tell this, this, this lady right here? How, how long have you been battling the breast cancer? December 11th. Why can I look at her, which doctor says there's no cure? How many knows they are a cure? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I was listening to a message the other day, and this is what it said, where a guy was needing a new heart or whatever. And, um, and so anyhow, uh, because of his lifestyle, he lived this lifestyle of drugs and just whatever the doctor said that they weren't even going to put him on the list because of the lifestyle in which he had lived but he but he gave his life to the Lord or whatever so anyhow he goes back to the doctor and he's got a brand new heart on the inside of him and the doctor couldn't believe it he said where did you get the transplant and he said I can't find the scar he said let me tell you where the scar is the scar went right through there the scar went right through there the scar went right through his feet and right through his side that scar is still healing today friend come on somebody and that power is in this room this morning to eradicate disease discouragement and unforgiveness anything so let's go right here to the book of John chapter 1 so that we believe that scar friend took care of that over 2,000 years ago. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. You're in the book of John, the first chapter. I want to read this. Verse 29. It says this, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I've said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me. For he was before me. I did not know him. 
that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness saying, look at this. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. I'm talking about being aware of the presence of God. Learning to live with an awareness of what's in your life. Now here's the deal. You will always manifest the reality in which is what's the strongest on the inside of you. If there's anxiety, all of these kind of things is in the outside, that's because that's what's going on on the inside. You, you, you're with me now. The reality that you're most aware of is what you're going to release. And how Jesus lived his life as he was most aware of the presence of God that was upon his life. You with me? How many knows that Jesus humbled himself and became in the likeness of a man, right? Are you with me? Y'all looking like cattle in a new gate right here. How many knows that every miracle Jesus did, he did as a man anointed by God and not by God? Come on. Let's all agree with that in this room. Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed means to smear. Anointed means to cover, smear. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that was sick and oppressed of the devil. So listen, if, if, God, if Jesus did the miracles as God on the earth, then he could not tell us in John 14, 12, the works you see me do, greater shall ye do because I'm going to the Father. What Jesus did was model a life completely yielded to the Holy Spirit. And he shows us the power that is available that you and I can walk in every day of our lives. The question is, is how much we're willing to yield. John is baptizing. He sees the Spirit of God come, descend from heaven like a dove, and the Scripture says it remained upon him. It remained upon him. And Jesus is living his life aware of this living presence upon his life. Now, I, I remember as, as a teenager, maybe in my early 20s, getting a book called The Sensitivity of the Spirit by R.T. Kendall. How many ever heard of that book? In that book, R.T. Kendall talks about the dove and the pigeon. And he said most of the church is aware of a pigeon. Because a pigeon, you can, you can do anything to a pigeon and Carly won't run him off. But how many knows the slightest movement? The slightest movement will run a dove off. See, friend, if you'll get what I'm talking about this morning, you'll become aware of Jesus and less aware of the sin that has so easily beset you. Come on now. God help us here. If we were aware of the dove, see the whole deal is not worried about whether I can get away with it. By the way, that's a false great me grace message. Come on, somebody. Because you never get away with anything. Come on, somebody. Come on now. But here's the deal. I live with an awareness that there's a dove in my life. Come on, somebody. And so my whole goal is how I carry myself is that I don't want to offend or move the dove. Now listen to this. The Holy Spirit is in me for me, but He is upon me for someone else. So when I feel God come on me, 
I know that God's not there just to give me goosebumps. I immediately start scanning the horizon to see whom God wants to touch. Come on, am I helping anybody in this room? I remember listening to Bill Johnson maybe ten, close to 10 years ago and he said this. He said, when I get out at Walmart, he said, I purposely, if I got to go get milk, I will go through the garden section. And I will walk through Walmart and this is my prayer. God, I give you an opportunity if you want to speak to anybody. God, if you want to bring your kingdom in this place and touch anybody. I just want to tell you I'm available in this place. Folks, you and I are toting the kingdom of heaven on the inside of us. And a dying world outside the walls of this church needs to know the God on the inside of you. And how much more, how, how, how I mean, listen here, this, this is what the gifts are for. This is what the Holy Spirit's for. It's not for Pentecostal stuff falling in the floor. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost is in us to give us power to be a witness. And so if you read the story, go back to Genesis chapter 8. There's a story of Noah's in the ark. And most of our nurseries have got a picture of the ark with three windows on the side. That was not the ark that Noah built. The ark had only one, one window. And the window was not on the side, but the window was in the very top of the ark. Come on, somebody. This is how God was teaching us how we walk. We don't walk by sight, but by what? Faith. With our eyes pointed upward to Him. Come on, somebody. Lifting our head to the hills which cometh our strength. The ark had three levels which represented Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. It had one door in the side of it. And Noah and his family had to enter into that one door. I don't care what kind of stuff goes across TV. I don't care how popular it gets. There's only one way to heaven, friend. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Any other way, he enters as a thief and a robber. Come on. I figured I'd get some amens on that. That's all right. I brought my own encouragement today. And so Noah, after, after, after the time on the ark, he opens the window. The scripture says he releases a raven. It says the raven flies around or whatever, don't come back. But then he, he, the scripture says that he takes a dove from himself and he releases out of the window. He said that the dove went and found an olive branch and brought it back to him. What was he teaching us? He was teaching us that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Come on, church. I'm trying to tell you about a God that wants to talk to you. So I said, well, I ain't heard God. That's because you, yes, you ain't talking to him, friend. If you will talk to him, he will talk back to you. Jeremiah, I mean, 33 and 33, call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things. We have the promise that if we ask, he will answer. So he takes and he releases this dove again she comes back to him and then she brought the olive branch and he knew that the waters had receded then he waits another seven days and the scripture says he releases her again and it says that she flew and she did not return and he knew that the earth was dry if you can bear to hear it I believe that that dove was flying throughout eternity until Jesus God the tabernacle of heaven was on the face of the earth and went down in that Jordan River and that dove found something he could land on. Come on, somebody. And so, 
Now I'm talking about being aware of this. <clears throat> Why do you want to be aware of this? Because if you'd learn how to walk like this, the Christian life would be so much fun. Most people think the Christian life is going to church on Sunday and Wednesday. There's so, they so much more to it than that, friend. So we learned that live with this, with this dove. Now think about this. Jesus is asked to go to Jairus' house in Mark chapter 5. He's asked to go to Jairus' house in Mark chapter 5. He's got a 12-year-old daughter, the point of death, and they're asking Jesus to come pray for him. As Jesus starts to head towards Jairus' house, the scripture says that the streets are crowded. There's a lot of people thronging Jesus. There's a lot of people in the crowd. They're pressing, whatever. And, and so that there's a lady, the scripture says in Mark 5, that has an issue of blood. And for 12 years, she's went to every physician she can to try to stop the bleeding in her life. And she has found no answer to her dilemma. But she said within herself, listen to this, she said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I'm talking about living with the awareness of the presence. Now think about this. Think about, let's put it in our time. Think about us being in SunTrust Park. SunTrust Park, all the people around us. It's hard to keep your focus and attention on the dove. Listen to me. Everything to discourage us comes to get our attention. The enemy uses anything he can to get your attention off the dove. If you don't believe it, set your prayer time at 3 o'clock. Your phone will go crazy at 3 o'clock. He's trying to keep you out of that place. And so anyhow, Jesus is walking. A lady, this woman, presses through the crowd. She reaches in. She touches the hem of his garment. Jesus stops in his tracks. And he says, someone has touched me. Peter and the disciples look at Jesus and say, God, look at, look at all the people here. What are you saying somebody touched you? What are you saying somebody touched Look at the people here. Jesus said, you don't understand. I felt virtue go out. I felt somebody grab hold of the dove. See, that tells me you can come to service after service after service after service and nothing happened but if you will reach through and peer through faith friend come on somebody and reach out and touch him if you touch me you probably go get nothing if you touch Matt you probably go get nothing but if you can look past here and when we say God is in this place and you say my God I really don't feel him I'm trying to help y'all it's hard preaching in here this morning that's okay listen to me let me tell you this I'm preaching the country, folks. I know a little country stuff. When I was a young boy, we used to be big-time bird hunters. My dad raised pointers and setters. The setters had the long hair, but to me, they were a smarter dog. And I, we always had better luck with the setters. The only thing that was aggravating is you had to get the cucklebirds out of their, out of their fur after they were running through the fields. You got to go back several years to be able to shoot wild birds. When they started planting cotton and stuff like that, it just killed all the quail. Now you're basically shooting flight pin birds. But let me show you something right here about the presence of God. What we did is we took a mature dog that we knowed was sure enough, and we would always put the young ones with a fully trained dog. And what you teach the dog is to honor the point. Come on now. And the young ones are taught to honor the point of the older ones. Now the younger one may not smell that bird. He may not believe there's a bird there. But because that older dog has locked down in the point, he's taught to honor that. 
Now let me tell you this. If you're new to this environment and if you're visiting today, you may not feel God. Come on, somebody. But if you see somebody like Catherine or somebody like Steve or one of these elders or some of these mature folk, if you see Sister Katie with her hands in the air saying God is in this place, you better honor that point right there and press on in, friend, because he's near this place. Come on, somebody. And if he's near, come on, somebody. If he's near, if Katie says he's here, I can't get no help up in here. Blind Bartimaeus only heard the footsteps and he stepped up and said, Hey, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I've learned that, friend. Listen, if somebody says God's in here, I don't care what I feel. I don't care what my flesh tells me. If they said God's here, I stand up in attention and I say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus felt this virtue and power leave his life and go into this lady. And he says, someone's touched me with faith. What I'm telling you, he lived so conscious of the presence that was upon his life. Now, anytime I share this, I always share a couple of stories. I had a miraculous encounter with the Lord on February the 2nd of 1998. I started attending a church where all our friends went to, where my friends went to church. It was a really great church. But they preached to a certain level. And that was it. The height of the Spirit of God moving was someone would cry or we would hug each other. I mean, they wasn't really going to get wild up in there. And to be honest, I, I wasn't like I was looking to get wild at the time. I mean, I had been to a church that got a little wild and it kind of scared me up a little bit. And so, my friend invited me to come to a youth. It was actually my cousin invited me to come to a youth service. I was in this youth service. I'm 18 years of age. And I remember the Spirit of the Lord started moving and people started falling out. They did not fall out at my church. If somebody fell out, it's because somebody tripped them. And I remember seeing them fall out and I remember thinking, man, I better get out of here. And so, as I remember standing at the back of the church and I remember raising my hands and I said, God, I want everything you have for my life. And the Lord immediately spoke back to me and said, but you're at the back of the room. He said, if you want me, come get me. And I remember going up, young guy preaching. I felt like God had called me to preach. Wasn't sure. Maybe shared it with a couple people. And he had never seen me before. And he looked at me and he said, God has called you. When he said that, I broke, man. I mean, everything was in me broke. He read the very secret of my heart. Everything in me began to break. And I remember him touching, just laying his hands on me. And I remember just falling out under the power of God. I was so tore up that night in the presence of God. One of the most powerful things ever happened to me. I eventually moved, left my church and started attending this church. On Wednesday night, I have another encounter with the Lord. Where a lady come gets me, takes me to the front. The pastor comes off the stage and prophesies over my life and says, from this day forward, you shall preach the word of God with fire, for I'll baptize you in fire. I never laid his hands upon me, and the Lord just felt like he slung me across the floor. I was in fluid tongues when I, when I hit the floor. 
He knew that I came from the Methodist church. And I remember hearing him on the, on the, on the, the house speakers or whatever. And he said, my God, somebody shout in this house. This boy's Methodist. You know what I'm saying? And so, <clears throat> so I, I, I started attending this church. I started learning about the Holy Spirit, learning about the presence of God. So I'm probably around 19, 20 years of age. So friends of mine were having a little fish fry at their house and I had went out on a date that night. And so I came back. I was just going to swing back by their house or whatever. It was probably around maybe 10 o'clock. They were still out there underneath their shelter or whatever. And as I pulled into the driveway, I felt the Spirit of the Lord come upon me really strong. I felt the manifested presence of God come upon me. I'm talking to you about the dove right here. Stay with me. i got five minutes right here. And as I, as, as I got there, and my, my, I put the truck in park, and as my foot hit the ground, God intensified on me. And I felt like the Lord said, you must pray now. I mean, it was just that type of deal. I felt like I had to pray right now. And I'm thinking, God, these, these guys, they're going to think I'm crazy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're going to absolutely think I'm crazy. I mean, you know, I mean, they're all spirit-filled, but I mean, it ain't like they was out there listening to Clint Brown or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they were just, uh, or Bethel, they were just, they were eating fish, just enjoying. I said, guys, we must pray now. When we joined hands, I mean, when they, we all grabbed hands, the power of God hit us like 220 flowing through our bodies. We were in tongues, I mean, praying, you know what I'm saying? Just, I mean, just praying and interceding. And about this time, a vehicle, you could hear it racing. It jumped the railroad tracks right behind where we were at. This vehicle jumped the railroad tracks. I'm talking about like on the movies. Jumped the railroad tracks. The house right behind the barn this guy jumped out of the vehicle, was cussing, ramping and raving, hollering at the people in this house. And then you, oh, we heard the guns go off. Pow, pow. Shot like three or four times. We ran and we called 911, little old bitty city. We told them, you know, the guy's nickname or whatever. Cops come around there. <clears throat> After the dust settled, it was probably about 20 minutes. That guy had a little girl that was probably six maybe six say five to seven years of age and this is what she said they walked out the back door when they walked out the back door this family had no idea we was there we was about from here to the sound booth from where they were at in town you know the houses joined together and his his little shelter was right there on the back part of his lot and the little fence right there and this little girl said this she said daddy she said i saw jesus and he walked right through this house. Friend, what do you think happened right there? The Holy Spirit in me said, I got an urgent problem right here that's fixing to take place. Come on, somebody. I, I wish I'd get three people with faith up in this house. Get four, give me four people with faith and I feel like I'm going to do something today. He's, well, you know what he said? He said, I got a little girl up in this house right here. That shows you how much your heavenly father is trying to reach you every day of your life. Don't tell me he don't know where you at. Don't tell me he don't know what you're going through. He knows you're rising up till you're going down. He knows every hardship you've ever faced. He knows every time you've been deserted and left. And he is, he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You can get a hold of him at the midnight hour when you can't get a hold of the preacher, friend. When you can't find nobody in the church, he's ready to listen he's always faithful and somebody was fixing to do that family harm 
I can tell you this, I also believe. I believe that child, this is what I believe, had a relationship with the Lord. Whether she did or not, that child needed help, friend. And God had five young guys right there that knew him, that knew how to release a dove in a situation where an enemy come to do harm. And hey, let me tell you something. We was in tongues, and as he was jumping the railroad tracks, that dove was flying on the inside of that house, standing guard over that family. Come on, somebody. I said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God said, I'll raise a standard. He said in Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you would prosper, and every tongue that rises up shall fall condemned. My God, I'm trying to help us here this morning. This is everyday stuff. This is when Danny's car breaks down and the guy's just bringing it over here from just bringing him another vehicle, just planning on getting out, getting into another car. And Danny's standing in the parking lot and he begins to prophesy his destiny. And that young man hits the ground and says, I want to give my life to Jesus. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the living God on the inside of you trying to reach somebody. My God. Tell you a current one. I got many of these in my life. We go through the bank. A local bank right here. It's myself, Matt, and Stanton. Immediately when the girl looks at me, I hear the Lord speaking to me. Right at the time she fasts her eyes on me, I hear God's voice. And I wish I could tell you I just jumped out with all faith and just boom, just whatever. To be honest with you, I said, I ain't going to say that. These people think I'm crazy. I miss a bank. And I'm at the drive through so it ain't like there ain't no microphone going off in there. So I pull around. He's like, man, I stop and then I was like, I'm going to go back around. And then I was like, no, nah, you know, because we had somewhere to go. That was the day we went to Albany, I think it was. And so anyhow, the story is we pull back around. And I said, listen, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to make you nervous or whatever. I said, I don't know how loud my voice is right here. But I said, I want to tell you what God said. And what it was was the way she saw herself. And every time I go in that bank, that particular person was like her head was always down. We released that word over her. She started crying. She said, thank you. We was eating the other week and I saw her. And one of the things was about relationship, how I believe God was going to bring somebody into her lane. And I saw her sitting down at the table with a young man, smile on her face bigger than nobody's business. God just doing amazing things in her life. This is God wanting to touch somebody. You don't have to be a preacher to do this. You just got to be a believer. And the way I read my Bible, it says signs shall follow believers. Come on, somebody. Are you a believer? Then where's your signs? Where's the evidence that is convicting you of being a believer? Jesus, after being aware of this presence upon his life, when he knew 
he was about to go to the cross, he instructs his disciples in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, and he says, go tarry into Jerusalem until you be endued with power. What he was saying, don't get out and try to operate on this with no power. There's power in this room, friend, this morning for your life. Do you believe that in here? He said, go, I love the, the New International Version says, till you be clothed with power. This is how you glow, go from Clark Kent to Superman in the presence of Almighty God. The power of God coming upon our lives. These disciples go and you know the story. They tear into Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, Acts 1, 8. Jesus instructs them again that they shall receive power after that which the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be a witness. We know in Acts 2 through the first four verses that suddenly that the, the, the whole place where they were sitting changed. They heard a sound from heaven. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So let's go back right here. Let's, let's, let's forward it right here in this closing. In Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus. When he gets to Ephesus, the scripture says he finds some believers there. And I want you to notice right there in the first few verses of Acts 19, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? Notice what he said. He didn't say, did you go to church? Come on. He didn't say, have you filled out a salvation card? He said, have you received the Holy Spirit? They looked back and said, we ain't even much heard of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been in a church like I was. We didn't even know, ain't even heard of the Holy Spirit. See, friend, listen, we believe there's grace for our sin, but we also believe there's a power to overcome sin in this room. Got three people to believe that in here. I remember listening to Charles Stanley one time and he said, how many people believe they could go a whole day without sin and nobody raised their hand? He said, how many people believe you go half a day without sin and nobody raised their hand? He said, if nobody don't believe you go one hour without raising your hand, I'm quitting, man. You know, there's power to overcome. Come on, somebody. You can make it the rest of your life without sinning. He said, have you received? Have you received the Holy Spirit? You know, if you listen to Stanton preach, he's going to preach about the fire of God and lay your life down. Listen to him preach the other night. But you know what he's saying? Is there came a time in my life when I was overcome by the Holy Spirit and it changed my life. Friend, why do you see people going crazy around the front of this room? Because they've had an encounter with the living one that changed their life. See, that separates the... That sep I'm not knocking Bible tracks. But if all you got information from is out of your Sunday school lesson, you probably got little power in your life. I can't get no help. But God wants to empower you this morning, friend, with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I got filled with the Holy Spirit in 1969. If you believe that the Holy Spirit in filling is a one-time experience, you need to get current with your Bible, friend. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit thousands of times. I got, I got filled with the Holy Spirit when Catherine grabbed that mic this morning. Come on. Hello. We need to be full of the Holy, full of the Holy Spirit every day. I ask God that every day. I pray that God anoint my head with fresh oil every day. I pray that every day. 
God, I want to be full. I want to be full. You know what? Hey, I find when I'm not full, I'm hard-hearted. Come on, somebody. If you can't tithe, it's because you ain't full. Hello. Lord of mercy. If you can't love, it's because you're not full. If you can't forgive, because you're not full. How many's ever seen a drunk man? Raise your hand. How many been drunk yourself? No, keep it down. I ain't never met a drunk man that wouldn't give. Have you? Drunk man, hey, listen, if he's drunk, he got $100, he gonna give you the last thing he's got. Huh? I ain't met a drunk man that wouldn't love. Love everybody. I just love you, man. You know what's wrong with the church? We're not drunk enough. I said we're not drunk enough. I said we're not drunk enough, friend. But I'm telling you, as you get lost in God, you'll be amazed at who you can love. You'll love your enemies. Come on, somebody. You can love them to despitefully use you. You can forgive when you're full of God. Father, my prayer this morning over this house, this has always been my prayer. God, unleash the Holy Spirit like never before. Let there be a raging river that is found in Ezekiel 47 in this place, God. A river that would overtake us. Not one that's ankle deep. Some of you, like ankle deep water, we want over the head water, friend. It's time to wade out into some deeper things. Church, I said it's high time to get in deeper water. I'm going to say it again. It's high time to get in deeper water. The Shalians been killing us. Let's get in some deep water. Now, here's the deal. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.